Okay, so we are going to do this a little bit differently that today than we normally do it. So hold on to your hats, as it were, if you're wearing them or not. I hope not. Um, we're going to Psalm 111. You mean amen. amen? Amen. Thank you very much. We're going to Psalm 111. And then we are going to do, with a lot wrapped up in that little word, Psalm 111 together today. Okay, so I will tell you that this is part of a sermon series, a little itty-bitty sermon series that will go today and next Sunday as Psalm 111 and Psalm 112. Real quick history of Psalm 111, we don't know who wrote it. No clue. Don't know who wrote Psalm 111. Um, And we don't know who wrote Psalm 112. What we do know is that the two of them are very, very similar in their patterns and in what they're, they're addressing, the material that's contained therein. They're both 10 verses long. Uh, They're both what's called an acrostic. What's an acrostic? Going once? Going twice? What? It is? What kind of poem is it? You're close. It's an acrostic. Yes, thank you. All right. I love it. Very, very, very uh, bold of you. An acrostic is a kind of poem or poetry where every new thought begins with the next letter of the alphabet. So, of course, this is written in Hebrew, not written in English um, originally. But uh, in the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22 letters. And every one of these new thoughts in this psalm through what we call verse 10. Uh, but you'll notice it goes, for example, it doesn't count the first. That would be like a title to them, praise the Lord. And then it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. That's the first thought. Okay, And that starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then the next thought, where it says, in the company of the upright and in the assembly... That's kind of another thought, and it starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, okay? So, uh, in a minute, we're going to do this psalm together as an acrostic in English. So, if you're half asleep now, get up and do a jumping jack or three, because we're going to need all the brain power we can come up with to do that together. I have not done it in advance, so we will do it together, okay, in a minute. Before I do that, I want to talk about something that's important that the Lord really laid on my heart. I had the sermon all done. And, uh, and I'm, I'm like, Lord, what are you really showing us through this sermon? I've got the points, I've got the plan, I've got it laid out, it's there it is. But there was something that was just kind of hanging out there trying to figure out, I said, Lord, what are you really showing us? And so uh, I want to talk to you about, I'm going to give it to you in three little illustrations, all right? The first one is a role-playing illustration for those who play role-playing games. How many people have played a role-playing game ever at any time in your life in this room? Okay. All right, awesome. So we're doing about half of us, okay? In a role-playing game, when you play a role-playing game, you typically have something that shows you what your char- who your character is and what they can do, and that's called a character sheet or a character screen if you play it on the computer, right? Same thing, by the way, if you play a role-playing game, you play it on the computer, basically you're going to see on the computer what you see, you just get it on a piece of paper. That's how that usually goes, okay? So uh, that's called a character sheet. And again, I said, it's what tells you what your character is. Does it tell you what your character will be in the future? Ron? No. Does it tell you what your character was in the past? It could, right? If it's laid out with a lot of extra detail. But really, it's what your character is right now, right? It's a snapshot right now, snapshot of your character right now. And a character sheet, it tells you your strength, it tells you your intelligence, it tells you your dexterity, it tells you your charisma, which means how you can affect people, it tells you all that kind of thing, it tells you how much damage you can take, all the hit points. And by the way, if, if you're a role player, when you write in your hit points, uh, you write them in, in pencil, not pen. Because they are your maximum, but they are constantly changing. 
And if they're constantly changing, then your character sheet will be all messed up unless you write it in pencil and erase and like that, right? Because it's a snapshot of a moment in time, but it's constantly changing. And so the character is what we're talking about today. Second illustration. I went to uh, camp, went to youth camp with the youth. Uh, in fact, we took uh, 13 teenagers, uh, all uh, our youth and um, some folks. So we had a young man who was an atheist, who was a friend of Tommy's, who went and he was devout, believed in atheism. He was an atheist, practicing atheist. And we had a young man who was uh, questioning whether or not God existed, but he was on the line, and he went with us. And we went to camp. As we got there, as we arrived at camp, we signed in, everything. We found out a couple of things. Number one, there was no cell service at camp except for about a two-foot square area on the porch. So there was no calling home. There was no texting, no nothing like that. You go up on the porch and you could get a signal for a second if you needed to to make an emergency call or something like that. Otherwise, there was no cell phone service. They had a phone line, a landline phone in the building. You could go make a call if you had to, something like that. But otherwise, there's no cell phone, cell phone service. And that helped, by the way. Actually, it was a good thing. Uh, but anyway, so while we're at camp, while we're there, the five days that we're there, the, the 13 of us, mind you, this is the atheist guy. This is the guy who's questioning whether or not there is a, a Jesus with God, whether that's real or not, and so on. Myself, like that. Um, we uh, won almost every contest, including doing very, very well. We had a couple of our girls actually win at Octoball, if you know what that is. So we had like 50 people playing octoball, and at the end when there was only one person left, one of our girls was one of the people that was left, and that happened several times. We had a huge scavenger hunt across the entire camp, spread out over like five miles. There were 13 of us, and some of the other teams had 30, 40 people, and we won the scavenger hunt, got back first by like four minutes with the, following all the clues and so on. And by the way, this is the mountains of Tennessee. So the end of that scavenger hunt was a two and a half mile trek where we had to run from the last clue back to where we had to turn it in at. And what, because we knew we were not the athletic type, but some of these other teams were like, these are guys, they're football guys and track guys, and they were stars, right? But we knew, so what we did was we, as we went from the one side of the camp to the other, we had every few hundred yards, one of our teammates stop. Just stand here and wait for the clue to come back. And then we went another three, four hundred yards, just stand here and wait for the clue to come back. We got to the end and there were two people that got the clue, they figured it out, and they ran back to the first person, they took the clue to the next person, the next person, the next person, all the way across the camp, which was over two miles, until we got back and turned it in four minutes ahead of everybody else. Now, it's not because we're smarter, it's not because we're stronger, it was not because we were followers of Jesus, because the atheist was part of our team, the guy who didn't know Jesus was, part, was still questioning was part of our team, we had a couple of people that were on the edge as far as uh, you know, being godly they were part of our team, I like that but at the end of that camp the guy, the director of the camp came up to me and he said your kids this week oh, I forgot to mention by the way and you'll love this one, that that group of kids led worship on Thursday night at camp including the atheist boy who didn't believe in Jesus <laughs> so we led worship we, we stood up in front of 350 teenagers and sang, which you, you've heard me sing, so you, they sang louder than me, thank God. But, um, but you know how that goes, right? So, with, by the acapella. Right? was acapella, wasn't it? Yeah. And so, at the end of camp, he comes up to me, and this is what he says. He says, your kids, this week, out of the 350 kids that were here, your kids showed the most character. There's an intelligence 
It wasn't strength. It wasn't speed. It wasn't that we sounded the best because we didn't. It's not okay because we had several worship leaders there, but we didn't sound the best by any means. So this passage of Scripture that we're going to read, and we're now going to get ready to do this activity together, okay? This passage of Scripture that we're going to read is showing us God's character, okay? And you'll notice that uh, the title of the sermon is Six P's is Enough, and when we're done, I'm going to show you the six P's that are enough to show us God's character in clarity, as if he were standing in front of you today and you could trace his outline with a giant, bold, black marker. If you will pay attention to these six P's day in, day out, it's everything you need to know the character of God. And that's something. Because knowing God is it. That's what it's all about. That's what life is all about, is getting to know God. Okay, so before we can begin, we need a volunteer scribe, somebody with good handwriting that will write down what we come up with. Ultimately, we will voluntold a scribe if we must. Anytime I need somebody to write, you're the person I'm looking at. Alicia is our volunteer scribe. Semi voluntold. Here's the paper. You're going to want to write nice and bold. You might want this pen. It's a good bold. Okay? All right. So here we go. This is us together. I hope you got your thinking caps on because I wasn't kidding. We're going to read the verse. I'll talk about it just briefly so we all understand it. And then we are going to, or the, I should say the, the part of the verse because it's, remember there's probably two in each one of these. And then we're going to start with the first letter of the alphabet, which is A, and we're going to write that beginning with an A in our own words together as a big group. If you got it, you go, hey, I got it. And then if we all agree, then we'll put it down. All right, here we go. So the first part says, praise the Lord. That is not one of them. All right, that's what they would think of as the title. And they didn't have Psalm 111. They didn't have verse numbers. They, they didn't even have spaces. They didn't have vowels. They didn't have punctuation. That Hebrew has none of that. Okay, so all they, they had the word, the single word. Does anybody know what word it is before I say it? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, right? They had the single word, hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Okay, and then they began with, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I think that's pretty obvious. So we're going we're gonna to thank God with all our heart. It means everything inside me, all that I am, I'm going to, with all my passion, I'm going to thank God. So now we need to rewrite that beginning with the letter A. So we need a, a, somebody st- restate it in your own words beginning with the letter A. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. Go. Okay, all of my heart gives thanks to the Lord. Are we good? Everybody okay? Wasn't really that tough, was it? All right, it gets harder, believe me. Okay, in the company of the upright and in the assembly. And so, in other words, he's saying he'll be with, he'll he'll be in the company of or hang around with those who are right, those who do right things, etc. So they'll be together with those who do right and in the assembly. That's the place. For them, it was the temple, but it also talks about the church. Not the church building, but the church body gathered, right? So in the place where we come together to worship. So right now, you're in the assembly. This is the assembly. So you should be giving thanks to the Lord. We just did that, by the way. I hope you participated to the Lord with all your heart. In the company of the upright, that's people who do right. And in the assembly, which is the people come together, God's people. All right, so now we've got to restate. In the company of the upright and in the assembly, beginning with the letter B. Josh. Okay, between the company of the upright and amongst the assembly. Write it down. Everybody okay? We're good? Before instead of between? Are we okay with that? I was just going to be in the company. <laughs> well, 
I like before. Right. How about before and between? I'm okay with this. Both B's. All right, do that. Let's go. All right. Two. Great are the works of the Lord. This one's pretty easy. Pretty direct statement. But now we've got to do it with a C. What? Great are the works of the Lord. With a C. Can you think of a word that begins with a C that means great? We'd be... We'd be all set. I can't think of one. <laughs> Great are the works of stretch your minds. Great are the works of the Lord with a C. It can be done. Yeah, we need a C though. We have to start with the letter C. It is the greatest light we've ever had. That's a good point. Okay, considerable. That's pretty good. Considerable are the works of the Lord. Simple as that. You definitely want the considerable to be in all caps. You can put the considerable in all caps and say, considerable are the works of the Lord. How about that? Okay with that? All right. And on. They are studied by all who delight in them. With a D. They're studied by all who delight in them with a D. How about delight in them and you will study them? <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> oh, you got something better? Delightful are they to those who study them. It's close. Changes the meaning a little bit. Right. So it's a little different. Delightful are they, which leads to studying them. I feel about that. Same meaning, right? Okay, let's go with that. We got, what, I don't know, what is that, four? We got 18 to go. <laughs> so, all right. So, no, and we're in verse three, if you're following along in your Bible. Splendid and majestic is his work. <laughs> Good luck. All right, we need an E. So splendid, splendid means like full of color, vibrant, and just really impactful. And majestic means kingly, right? Lordly. Well, oh, that's interesting. What do you think about that? Did you have a suggestion, Ron? Oh, I got two two brains in the same track. Okay, so okay, we'll go with that. Each of his works are splendid and majestic. Yeah, each of his, let's go with each of his works of Splendid and Majestic. All right, and his righteousness endures forever, and we're on F. Good luck. Oh, look at that. Forever his righteousness endures. That wasn't even hard. Are we okay? It gets going to get harder at some point. If we get to a letter that's just impossible, like X, we may skip it. <laughs> we shouldn't get to X, though. We should be just short of X. Okay. He has made his wonders to be remembered. Oh, no. And his righteousness endures forever, right? I oh, know we just did that we one. That he way. has made his wonders to be remembered. And we're on G. Mm. He has made his wonders to be remembered. 
God made his wonders to be remembered. I, yeah, I like it. God, yes. God did it. Aren't we, isn't it convenient that we have the word God available to us? <laughs> they didn't have that, so. All right. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Uh, gracious means giving, thing, giving people that which they don't deserve. And compassionate means stepping in and helping them. He is gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Are we on H? Okay. All right. He is gracious and compassionate. This is going good now. All right. He has given food to those who fear him. He has given food to those who fear him. Those who care, pay attention to God, reverence God, fear God. He provides for them. You got something? No. Okay. Anybody? We're on I. Okay. Do you fear the Lord? He will give you food. Yes. Yes, this is past tense. We have to say past tense. I have feared the Lord, and He has given me food. In His mercy. In their fear. Oh, in their fear, they have feared. So that's the wrong. Can't use I then. Yeah. I have seen them <laughs> fear the Lord and receive food. <laughs> you can do that. I have seen them fear the Lord and receive. His provision. Somebody got something else? I. Yeah, it does change the meaning because it says I have seen it, but but he's testifying to it, so it's included in there. In response to their fear. Okay, in response to their fear, he has provided for them. That's good. I like it. See, I told you we could do this. In response to their fear, he has provided their fear of him. Of him, not fear of something else. Got to put that in there. He has provided for them. Okay, and we're on J. Oh boy. He will remember his covenant forever. He will remember his covenant forever. Jesus. Jesus. You could just be Jesus. You don't have, you don't have to need a whole sentence. You could just literally just say Jesus. Could do that. What do you think? Does it leave anything out, or is it good enough? Does it say Jesus always okay, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Jesus always remembers his covenant. How do people feel about that? We need a J. Justifyingly, he will remember his covenant forever. Justifyingly, I don't think that's actually technically a word. <laughs> Sounds like a word, but I don't think it actually is a word. <laughs> Josh would be the one to tell us if it's a word, but so right now we have Jesus remembers his covenant forever. Are we okay with that? Okay, just do that. Alright. He has made known to his people the power of his works. And we need a K. There is a K in there. So you could change the order. Known to his people, he has made the power of his works. Starts with a K. Which kind of, would you call it, like slacking a little bit. But it says the same thing. Are we okay? In giving them the heritage of the nations. So this is how he made known to the, his people the power of his works. He gave them the heritage, which means that which they, would, they receive um, as a, uh, what's the word? Like, uh, 
inheritance. There you go. They receive it as an inheritance. They give them the heritage of the nations, which the nations is not them. It's everybody, right? So they, they, God's people receive that which could be given to everybody, okay? Uh, and what do we need? L, right? Yeah. In giving them the heritage of the nations. Lovingly. Okay, lovingly. He gives them the heritage of the nations. That's true. Leaving them the heritage of the nations. Yes. Yeah, that works too. Leaving and heritage is a little redundant, but but I think it, it clarifies, so it's okay. Leaving them the heritage of the nations, okay? Okay, no one no one vetoed it, so let's go with it. We're on seven. The works of his hands are truth and justice. So that what God does, what he intentionally does, are truth. They're always right, they're always honest, they're truth. And justice, meaning that it's what should be done. It's the correct thing to do. Okay? And we're on M. The works of his hands are truth and justice. M. My, that's what I was just thinking too. My God's works are truth and justice. I like that. Are we okay with that? Mighty are the works of his hands and are truth and justice. <laughs> As they are truth and justice. Let's go, my God. Uh, that would make it easy. All right. All his precepts are sure and we need an N. All his precepts. A precept is the teaching, like the direction. Remember, a precept is not the same as a law or a rule. A precept is a guiding principle. It tells you what to do before you need to know what to do. So, and then we need, uh, what, O? Uh, N. N? Oh, do, do O, N? Okay, thank you. None of his precepts are unsure. <laughs> None of his precepts are unsure. I like it. It's crafty. And none of his precepts are unsure. Okay? Now, no. They are upheld forever and ever. Which means the precepts are kept up. They're made solid forever and ever. On and on they will be upheld. That's one possibility. Are we good with that? On and on they will be upheld. Okay? Oh, I see an easy one coming, possibly. They are performed in truth and uprightness, and we need a P. What? Performed they are in truth and uprightness? Performed are they in up... That sounds like Yoda, but okay. Performed are they in truth and uprightness. Who knew Yoda was a psalmist? Okay. We're on nine. We've only got four to go, I think. Formed on uh, How are we doing? You keeping up okay? Yeah. All right. Uh-oh. Q. Q. He has sent redemption to his people. Redemption is uh, a way of being bought back. Returned from the bad place that they had gone. He has re- sent redemption to his people with a Q.
And if we really can't do a Q, we could do an R, but then it gets pretty easy. <laughs> so we should try the Q at least. Say that again. Another way of saying redemption. Quintance. 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 Yeah, Okay. So We're learning a new word. It's another. It's a synonym for redemption. So, quittance has been sent. He he has sent quittance. He has sent to his people. It's a synonym for redemption. Or, aka, a release or discharge from a debt or obligation. Yep. That's what redemption is. Are we okay with quittance? Y'all learned what quittance meant today. Okay. And now we get the R. He has ordained his covenant forever. Ordains mean that God set it up. He ordered it in place. His covenant is the agreement between, a covenant is agreement between two people. In this case, it's a covenant between God and his people. He has ordained his covenant Forever, and we need an R. We're doing good. We're almost there. Don't never surrender. R. He has ordained his covenant forever. R. (laughs) If we can't do R, we can do S. We still have a few letter room. A little bit, not much. Got to find the R, okay. He has ordained his covenant forever. So he ordered it in place, basically. He made it, commanded it to be. What is? Ruled. He ruled into being his covenant forever. How about that? Ruled into being... Oh, no. That's going to get confusing for a second. Ruled. He did. <laughs> Ruled, he did his covenant forever. Now we really sound like Yoda. <laughs> Ruled. Ruled into existence, the covenant forever was. <laughs> By the Lord. <laughs> Ruled into existence, the covenant forever was by the Lord. An actual poem is not for children. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. Well, I mean, it says it. Ruled into existence forever, his covenant was by the Lord. Something. Ruled into existence forever, his covenant was. By the Lord was. How about just ruled by the Lord? What? Because <laughs> they gotta, can't leave out the covenant or forever. Rule? <laughs> really? Really? He has ordained. I like that actually. Put an ex- then you can put an exclamation point on the end of it. Really? He has ordained his covenant forever. Yeah, really? What? Rendered comes to mind. Okay, rendered. Uh. Rendered, he has. <laughs> rendered, rendered forever. His covenant, he has. <laughs> rendered forever. Rendered eternal has been his covenant by him. 
Wait a minute. Let's go back to really. I liked really. It made sense. Really? I forgot what it was. Really? He has ordained his covenant forever. Yes. With an exclamation point at the end. Yeah. Really? He has ordained his covenant forever. Exclamation point. All right. S. Holy and awesome is his name. And S is, uh, or holy, I'm sorry, holy, you know what S is. Holy is set apart or sanctified or uh, made special. And awesome is, wow. So holy and awesome is his name. Super holy and awesome. Sanctified is his name. Sanctified and awesome is his name. Sanctified and holy basically mean the same thing. They're synonyms, basically. Sanctified would sound a lot more intelligent. Super. Let's go with sanctified. <laughs> I said so. How, how likely was it we were going to ru- wind up on S on this verse? We need to use sanctified because, you know, that's a big Christian word. Okay. 10. T. Oh, wait. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. T. Hey. T. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the only one that we have not altered. Truthfully, you, a good understanding, have all those who do his commandments. You, understanding of a goodly nature, have all. (laughs) (laughs) We're on ten. We're on you. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. Already understand. I mean, we probably don't want to get rid of understanding since it's actually in the verse. Yeah. Understanding have all those who do his commandments, but the good is the idea of carries the idea of it's it's, it's right. It's the good steps to take. It's good for your life. It, it functions. Understanding, understanding that. The understanding. Have, understanding well. Understanding have all those. Understanding deeply, understanding for life, understanding for success. A synonym for good is untainted. Oh, untainted, untainted understanding have all those who do his commandments. That's nice. I like that. And one left, and it's what? A V? Yeah. His praise endures forever. Verily I say unto thee, his praise endures forever. I like it. Let's just go with it and we're done on that part. I like it. Verily. All right. We'll come back to that in a second. But I want you to, you probably already have seen it, right? Because we broke down every single verse. This is what I want you to see in here. These verses clearly talk about God's past power. They were relying on their knowledge and their history verbally and written down of what had happened, what God had done. It's not just marking a moment in time now, God is like this, but we're thinking about what God has done. And for them, God's past power was He called them out of Egypt. He brought them into the land where they were supposed to go. He provided for them along the way. He defeated their enemies. He had, he had exercised His power on their behalf in the past, and they knew it. God has done the same thing for us. God has called us out of a meager existence, a sinful existence. The truth is a struggling existence at times, an unhappy existence. God has called us out to do something, right? And so 
we can think of God's past power, the first two Ps, God's past power as indicative of who he was. Remember I talked about the character sheet, how the numbers change? Well, when the numbers change, you remember what the numbers were. And when your character gets better, you look back at who you were and you see God has changed you from who you once were. There are people in this room that were literally dysfunctional. Where they were at in their life, they just literally could not function. And then there were, the truth is, there are probably people in this room who were a little dysfunctional and they are still denying it. But the fact is, God took us from a place of dysfunctionality to the place where we are now. And you can mark the place where you are now versus that and look at God's power in the past. The first two Ps. And that alone teaches us who God is by the virtue of how He has acted. And if you watch a show on TV and you watch five episodes in a row, you begin to know who a character is in that show by the way that you'll get to see their character sheet. You don't know their history, but they're sitting at a bar at a restaurant or a table or, on the, or standing on the sidewalk, and there's a flashback to something that happened in their past. And because you see what happened in their past, you begin to know their character. And that's what this psalm is about to a degree, the past power of God. If we stand here, if I could stand here, I could tell you the story of how I came to Christ, how I walked the aisle, or how I, I fought off my temptation to do X, and, and I was struggling until finally I surrendered to God, and God did this. We can say, we have people in this room would talk about when they were on their deathbed. People in this room would talk about when their relationships were screwed up, and they can actually talk about, we witness, this is what, when it says we proclaim what we have seen and heard, it's talking about the past power of God. Don't talk about what you did to fix it. Don't talk about how you got from point A to point B, but the past power of God is revealed if you look at what God has been doing in your life. The same as it was for them. And the first two Ps to understanding God are His past power. He provided for them in the desert. He fed them, made sure their clothing didn't wear out even though they were wandering for 40 years. Why? Because of their disobedience. Even while we were not doing what we were supposed to be doing, God's past power was still being displayed. Even in the midst of our sin, when we were being chastised, corrected, or redirected, God's past power was still being displayed. And once your eyes are open and you realize His past power indicates His character, you have to recognize. If you would do the same things you did 10 years ago when you didn't know anything about God, then you are denying the past power of God. And you don't know Him. If you don't have any convictions, if you, if, you don't, if you can't stop and say, you know, look, when I'm doing something uh, with my friends or my pastor or, or just I get this thought in my head, hey, I shouldn't be doing that. If there's none of that, you are denying the past power of God and you don't know him. You cannot keep playing the same games. You cannot keep talking nasty, being nasty, walking nasty. You can't do it. The past power of God tells us, no, he was working then, he's going to be working now. If he corrected me then, if he let me wander into difficulty, if he let me struggle, if he let me wallow in my own self-pity, if he let me get angry about stupid stuff and hurt myself, even though I never should have been that angry in the first place, if God would let that happen then, the past power of God is still the same today as it was then, and he will let it happen again. But notice that God's past power brought them into a good land. And he has brought us into a good kingdom. A kingdom where Jesus died and rose again that we might have abundant life. I like that word splendid, even though we kind of had to, we kind of had to work around it. It was a tough word to work around. I like that word splendid because our life is filled with vibrant color. It's amazing. I want, I want to tell you that I think before I turned 19... I may have shook somebody's hand total 
20 times in 19 years. I never shook my doctor's hand. Never shook my mechanic's hand. I never shook my friend's hands. I never shook a teacher's hand. In 19 years, I probably shook 20 people's hands. Now, when I shake somebody's hand and I look them in the eye, I'm alive. I know they are alive. And in that moment, we have a flesh-on-flesh connection where my body, which is inhabited by the Lord, is touching their body, which I hope is inhabited by the Lord. I can't prove that's true, but I hope it's true. Something happens. It's vivid. It's, it's powerful. And when someone says something to me like, oh, man, I'm suffering because I'm going through this or whatever, that strikes so deep into my core because my core is exposed by compassion. I am different. I am new and unique from who I once was. I know this for a fact. Because why? Because of God's past power. And he did that so we might have abundant life. And so we can be free. Come follow me, he said. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we can be free. So that we can serve. I actually can go, man, there's somebody who needs something and I, I, just, I just want to help them. Money? It's just money. Blood, sweat, and tears? It's just blood, sweat, and tears. I just want to do something about that thing that's needed. And I have no selfish motives sometimes. Sometimes I do have selfish motives. I'm a human being, right? But sometimes I'm able to just have no selfish motives. And then ultimately we're given the ability to finish strong. Because we got this far and we know his past power. We realize he has the power to carry us through to the end. It, it proves the rest of the P's, if you will, to an extent. The first two P's are his past power. The second two P's are his present presence. You like that? His present presence. When the psalmist was writing, God was with him. This is a Holy Spirit-empowered writing that has now lasted for 2,500 to 3,000 years. Right? And we have it brought over from the Hebrew, and I get that, but we get a sense of it now that we did an acrostic. The point is, it's His present presence. He really is here. He really is doing something. And the testimony of other people, we know this, etc. He took care of them even in captivity. He takes care of us. You are still alive today because God has a plan for your life. I know you might want it, not want it to be that way because you might not want to live out the plan that God has for your life, but the bottom line is you are still alive today because God has a plan for your life. Otherwise, you'd be dead. When there is no purpose for your continued existence, you will not continue to exist because there's nothing that exists that doesn't have purpose. There's nothing that's not part of God's grand plan. And so he takes care of us just as he was with them. He is with us he sends His Holy Spirit to reside in us when we get saved, to seal us for the day of redemption. And I get it. There's ongoing struggles. And you go, oh, I don't know, can God really be in this? Toledo's one of the top sex trafficking cities in the country. Can God really be in that? Can God really be in all these people, 63 plus thousand people, I don't have a number for this year, but last year that died from overdoses of narcotics. Can God really be in that? I submit to you that God is present today in the world. That God is at work in my life when I'm down half the time, 90% of the time probably. When I'm down, I realize I'm down because I want to be down, because I feel like I need to be down, because I feel like I can't answer a certain question and it's driving me crazy and frustrated, I'm angry. When I'm down, it isn't because God's not there. It isn't because God's not praying over me or walking over me or holding over me or trying to lift me up or trying to write my story in a way that I won't let him. No, he's present. It's me. It's me that's not present. You know what the greatest weakness in society today is? The greatest weakness in the community today is? It's people who are not present. I went to Bob Evans last night. On the wall, they put up a sign. It says, phones down, forks up. Because people that are on their phone 
when they should be with their family. Understand? People are not present. They see it in the lives of children all the time, right? You get a fifth grader, sixth grader, eighth grader, whatever, and they'll say something that is terribly nasty to another person. It's really hurtful. They will undercut them in a terrible way, and two minutes later, they're acting like they didn't do anything. They don't know. Why? Because they're not there. Their mouth is going off. They're saying things. They're calling them nasty names, siblings, friends, whatever. They're saying things, but they're not actually present. They don't hear it. They don't know it. They're not experiencing the moment. But God is. God sees every sin, and we have an account to pay for every sin. God's present presence is included, and that's the second sets of the piece. He is here. And if you would realize that he is here, the power that he has shown in the past, and his presence is here, then you realize this moment matters. What happens right now matters. What people care about when they're suffering, when they're hurting, when they're lost, and what they're, what they're being distracted by, those things matter. And I get it. You know, you're, you're 15 years old and you can't get off your social media because your friends might do something and you might not know about it. But guess what? They're going to do whatever they're going to do. And if they're going to try to do it without you knowing about it, they're going to do it when you're not on social media so they can know about it when you're not even around. Somebody else has got a crisis. You're like, well, I could fix it. Now, God's present presence, if he, and he's fixed, he'll fix it. You'll be present where you are with God doing what God wants you to do. When God is present and you're not, then you're not with God. Think about the math of it. If he's present and you're not, then you're not with Him. And it ain't His fault. If God is present and you're not, and God shows up here every Sunday, God's here every time we worship, God's here every time we go to the Word, God's there. if God's present and you're not, it's not His fault that you're not present. You could be in your prayer closet. You say, I'm praying, I pray all the time to God, and you're down on your knees, or you're in your prayer closet at home, or you're in your bedroom where no one's around, and you're praying, and say, God, I need this, and I need that, and I need that, and I need that, and you're getting up thinking, man, I hope God fulfills my wish list. Guess what? God's present, but you're not, because prayer is not a wish list. That's not what it's about. You don't pray through your prayer requests when you pray. You start by recognizing God and His present power. You know what the first, in the Acts, Acronym, not acrostic. Acronym, A stands for adoration. What we do is we first recognize what God has done. Then secondly, you better confess and recognize what you have not done. First, you recognize what God has done. Secondly, you recognize what, he has not, what you've not done. God, you were present, and your past power was obvious. But my past power is not so obvious. I was, I was frail. I was stupid. I was going the wrong way. I wasn't doing what was right even yesterday. A few minutes ago, maybe. God, I'm sorry. Right? And then you thank God because out of that he has made a way for you to be free, made a, made a way for you to be forgiven and so on. You thank God. And lastly, lastly, if you even get around to it after you get done, I mean, if, if you can only come up with a few things of adoration, you probably don't know God. And you might want to go to the Psalms and you might want to think over your life and what's happened and all the things that he's done and all the things you're blessed with. And then you probably spend all your time in adoration. But if you never get around to confession, it's because you haven't recognized that he was present and his past power was there and you weren't. So you might want to at least have a little confession. And then we got a lot of thanking to do. But actually, when we pray, most times when a lot of people pray, they rush right to the supplication. Let me just ask God for what I need right now. Dad, I'm sitting out of this test. I haven't, no I haven't noticed you in about six months, but right now I need an A. Lord, please give me an A. Lord, I know I didn't pray in the last few days. I, I haven't been in the Bible. I haven't, I haven't told anybody about you at all in months. Please take care of my car. Please take care of my finances. Please provide me the job I need. Please help me find a wife, a husband. Please help me be healthy and okay. Those are supplications. They come at the end of the line. The fact is, if God's who 
these verses say he is, he wants to give you everything that you're going to ask him for before you ever get around to asking him for it. The problem is not that you don't ask him for it. The problem is that you don't adore him. You don't recognize that you need him and you're not busy thanking him. And then when you get around to it, just say, as Jesus taught us to say, Lord, your will be done. God's present. He is with us now. He is for us now and he will continue to be. He sends his Holy Spirit to reside in us and seal us for the day. And then the, the, the fifth and sixth P is God's powerful promises. So it's God's past power, God's present presence, and God's powerful promises. And some people, this is the fact, and this is what we say, we talk about, well, people, some people just don't know. They just don't know about Jesus. They don't know what God said he would do. And that's our job to go and help them know if they just don't know. God had told them what he was going to do. He said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt. You know, the four the fathers of the faith, whatever, he said, don't bury me in Egypt. Store up my bones. And when you all go back to the land which God promised me, you take my bones with you and bury me there. You know what he was doing? He was believing in God's powerful promises. Why? Because of God's past power and God's present presence, he could believe in God's powerful promises were yet to come. He knew he was going back to the promised land. Just like I know when I'm walking with the Lord, sometimes I, I doubt I'm like anybody else. But when I walk with the Lord, I know I'm going to heaven. And when I'm in the middle of struggles, like Nikki was talking about, I know God's allowing that for a purpose. Because God's powerful promises are real. He had told them he was going to do it, and he had not failed to do it. He promised to bring Abraham and all of his offspring out, and essentially, he did exactly that. He brought all of them out. And then, we are part of Abraham's offspring. We are, when, when God told him, you will have the, more than the stars in the sky, more than the sands of the seashore, he's talking about us. One of those little grains of sand that Abraham would never get around to count is Dan Stevenson. Because we believed in Christ, we joined into the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And he promised to bring Abraham and his offspring out. And essentially, he did that, and he really did it through Jesus. He had promised an end to suffering to bring us home to deal justice once and for all. That has not yet happened. That is a future promise. There is still injustice in the world. Some people have died and gone to heaven, but others are still here. And Jesus will come again. And if we get caught in the midst of our sin, caught in the midst of not recognizing God's powerful promises, caught not present when God is present, caught not honoring God's past power, then when he calls people to heaven, he will not take us. He has powerful promises which he will keep. And those promises include he will bring us home. He will not fail to save us. All that you have committed into his hands, he is capable of keeping under that day. Okay, we're in the conclusion, and it is this. Sometimes when you've got a tough thing to deal with, it's good to break it down into steps, right? So you've got to go to the doctor in the morning and get the verdict of a test, and, and you're nervous about the verdict of the test. So think about it in steps. Like I'm going I'm to ask God. I'm going to trust God. Then I'm going to get up in the morning when my alarm goes off. And then I'm going to get dressed. And I'm going to eat a little something. And I'm going to get in the vehicle. And I'm going to arrive at the doctor's office. When the doctor comes in, I'm going to greet him. These are all steps you take until the doctor tells you what the results are. Could be whatever, right? You have to go to the principal's office because you got in trouble. You have to fix your car. 
Well, I'm going to first figure out what's wrong with it. Then I'm going to buy the necessary parts and learn how to take the old one off and put the new one on. Then I'm going to take the old one off. Can't put the new one on until I've taken the old one off. And then I'm going to put the new one on. Steps. So it works like this in these verses. A, B, C, victory. That's what we just did. It's A, B, C, victory. Six Ps, that's the A, B, C. So here's what you do. Here's how you live your life. You recognize God's past power. And you may need to study the scriptures. You may need to pray. You may need to look at your life. You may need to do some examining to figure out what God's past power has been doing. But you, get, you recognize God's past power. And then you recognize God's present presence. You've got to stop with the distractions. Stop with the other stuff that you're involved with and say, God is here right now. Is this what God wants me to be doing right now? Does God want me to be talking like this, acting like this? If you and your best friend were standing there and you were behaving a certain way, would your best friend be embarrassed to be with you? Jesus is supposed to be your best friend. Holy Spirit's with you. If, if any time him being there, he'd be embarrassed to be there with you, you need to repent. Turn your life over to Jesus and live the way he would have you to live. And it isn't boring. His precepts, they are understanding for a good life. Everything that God teaches us in his word, if you are not a Christian at all, but put into the practice the things that are laid out in Proverbs, you could be one of the wealthiest men in the world. There are men in the world who are extremely wealthy and put into practice the things that are in Proverbs. L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics, which was sold on the New York top 10 bestsellers list for two years until he released the second one, which went straight on the top 10 bestsellers list. That, that whole book series, the first book's like a 700 pages, the second one's like 1,100 pages, sold for 25 bucks, sold back-to-back over a three- to five-year span, and he became a multi-multi-multi-millionaire, possibly billionaire. It's based on one proverb. The whole series is based on one proverb. One verse out of the Bible. If we just take one verse out of the Bible and live it the way we're supposed to, it's good for understanding. It's good for power. It's good for strength. The truth is, maybe you don't need to be wealthy, but you do need to live by kingdom values. You do need to be strong. You do need to prosper. You do need to live an abundant life because that's what God died to make sure could happen. Recognize his past power, his present presence, and don't do the things that will drive him away or would if he would leave you, which he won't. And then look to learn and speak about his powerful promises. It's all evangelism. It's all proclamation. It's all becoming a witness. And you shall be my witnesses. Power shall come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. That was a promise that already came true. But the being of the witnesses is about telling the people the promises that have not yet come true. It's six Ps. It's six Ps to total victory. It's six Ps to truly knowing God, recognizing His past power, His present presence, and His powerful promises. Six Ps to total victory. But in English, it sounds like this. Can I have that list, please? In English, it sounds like this. Hallelujah! All of my heart gives thanks to the Lord. Before and between the company of the upright and in the assembly, considerable are the works of the Lord. Delightful are they which lead to studying them. Each of his works are splendid and majestic. Forever his righteousness endures. God made his wonders to be remembered. He is gracious and compassionate. In response to their fear of him, he has provided for them. Jesus will remember his covenant forever. Known to his people, he has made the power of his works, leaving them the heritage of the nations. My God's works are truth and justice. None of his precepts are unsure. On and on they are upheld forever. 
performed are they in truth and uprightness. Quittance he has sent to his people. Really, he has ordained his covenant forever. Sanctified and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Untainted understanding have all those who do his commandments. Verily I say to you, his praise endures forever. And we can entitle that, Hallelujah. Let me pray for you briefly, and then we'll have an opportunity to respond. Father in heaven, you are God. And no prayer like this in no short amount of time can ever adore you the way you deserve. It's your power. We're not even talking about the power necessary to bring into existence all creation. Some fool might question whether you did that. But even, even if they did, they cannot deny what you have done since. Can't deny the things that we have seen with our own hands with my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my friend, my schoolmate, whatever, when they gave their life, their life, the one life they have to live to you, and you transformed them. There's no denying that past power. When young men say, I would live for Jesus with all my heart, all my life. I would know that it's real and know that it's right and do the right thing before I turn my life over to God. And then they go forward and they turn their life over to God and they are transformed from the inside out that your past power is obvious. When we pray and miraculous healings are done and people that they said will not live another day live and are still living and are still serving and are still going because of prayer. A foolish man likes me looks at the sky and says, Rain, stop now. Because it's not safe. Because it needs to be over. In the name of Jesus. And the rain stops. And another day looks to the sky and says the same, and the rain doesn't stop. When a woman prays because her heart is breaking over her young one, and that prayer goes unanswered, or when it goes seemingly unanswered, or when it goes answered, and incredible things happen, changes. Your past power is obvious. I am down and out. I feel like I'm losing the fight. I feel like I can't go on. I feel like I don't have enough. I feel like I've really stepped in it this time and done something stupid. Your present presence is obvious. When I lay on the floor on the new carpet with the new carpet smell in my face, and I said, I will not get up. I refuse to get up. I will not do this. I will not share the gospel. I will not preach. I will not serve. I will not lead a church. I will not lead a family. I will not be a father. I will not be a son. I will not be a brother. I will not do that unless you do it, unless God, you do it in me. And then you got me up. Your present presence is obvious. The fact is, your present presence is obvious even to those who are distant from you because they see the difference in somebody else who claims your name and they realize God is at work in them and so why is God not at work in me? And the truth is, God is at work in them. They just haven't accepted the truth yet. Your present presence is real. And Lord, your powerful promises, they are the hope of every generation. They are the hope of everyone who will look to you. They are the strength by which we are bound together 
as we look to you to save our souls and, and eventually to remove us, as much as we love our little ones and love our jobs, love our things that we do and, and the fun that we have and the games that we play, we know that what is coming is so much better. And we would give up. We would give it all up. We would give up graduation. We would give up birthday parties. We would give up traveling. We would give up season tickets. We would give up problem solved. We would give up problems. We would give up sin. We would give up hatred. We would give up all of this life. We will give up all of this life as you bring to fruition your powerful promises. For the one who is here today, who has not believed in, has not trusted for, has not looked to you for those powerful promises to be brought to fruition in their life, I want to pray that they would do just that just now. Even in this moment, I'm still praying, or they did it five minutes ago, they did it yesterday, or did it a few days ago, that right now in this moment, you would make it so real in them that that past power, that present presence, and those powerful promises would help them to know you like never before. Lord, it helps me. And I want to thank you and praise you for the gift. Now as we sing one final hymn, as we offer an invitation, if there is a man or a woman in this place who has recognized that they have not known you through your Son, Jesus Christ, previously, and they need to do that, Lord, then help them come and make it public just as, just as anyone else might be. Just as anyone else has been asked to. Lord, demonstrate your past power, your present presence, and your powerful promises right now amongst the upright and in your assembly. We pray this in Jesus' name. I ask you to stand and sing this song with us if you're comfortable and able to do so. And then if you have some response today, if you need um, to accept your Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to be baptized, you need to join this church, or you need to enter, uh, answer the call of God to ministry, to do what it is God's calling you to, then you come. And you come and tell us exactly what that is. And I'll pray with you briefly, and then you can share, and, or I can share, or whatever. Come on now. If the Lord is calling you forward, you come.